Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show where we've been at our wits' end since before we knew what wits were. My name is Christy. And my name is Alumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse Podcast. Mama, we trapped in it like a sardines. We cannot escape. We cannot come out. We were trapped in there. Can you, have you seen that video? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> History makes a lot more sense when you remember that a lot of it was driven by 14-year-olds who had wine for breakfast. So, Illuminae, what have you been up to since the last episode? I've been up to things, none of which I remember. I went to the Beyonce show again in D.C. My friend, actually, I suppose not a friend, an enemy, a motherfucker, peer pressured (laughs) me into seeing Beyonce again, which, obviously, you know I can't help myself. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. But I went to the show. The show, of course, was fantastic. But what's interesting about the night was it started raining. But not only raining, there was, like, a whole bunch of thunderstorms. So, because of the lightning, apparently lightning struck somewhere like within nine miles so legally they have to shelter in place and it's an open field so they can't let anybody onto the field so before people were done checking into the arena they literally had to turn half the people back to go sit in their cars because they had to shelter in place so they had to lock all the entrances and have people standing under shaded areas which makes sense but it's a beyonce show there are literally hundreds of thousands of people and we are packed in there like (laughs) mama we dropped in it like a sardines we cannot escape we cannot come out we were trapped (laughs) in there somebody have you seen that video <laughs> no, but that was literally us. That was, <laughs> that was literally us. We had like like that, that it's just so weird. Like they can't legally sell you drinks more than one shot, so you can't buy a double. And we tried buying double, so what they did is they put one shot in the drink and then they sold you a separate shot. And if you wanted that drink to be a double, you'd have to add that shot in. They literally hand you like a shot and the drink. So you had to pour it in to make a double. I was like, who fucking made this law? It's so stupid. But apparently that's your policy. Anyway, long story short, we went to get the tickets and apparently they weren't doing mobile tickets, right? Which I don't know why. It's just some bullshit. And we got these tickets. They were original tickets though. We got them like two days before the actual event. We go up to Will Call. We stand in a long ass line to get the tickets. We get the tickets and we start to go in. And the security person was like, actually, you need wristbands. Where are your wristbands? It's like, we don't have, the lady didn't give us wristbands. The fuck? She just gave us tickets. She goes, okay, well, you have to go back and get the wristbands. So he had to stand in line again to go up. We're like, bitch, you forgot to give us the wristbands. So she, she gave us two wristbands. And then we go back. Okay, then the shelter in place happens. We're sitting there for like standing, actually. There's no even room to sit. We're just all standing. Literally, you couldn't turn from left to right. You could not move. There were so many people. You were just trapped wherever you were. And then eventually, like, the rain is still going, but they finally said, you know what, we're going to let you guys on the field. This is, like, more than an hour into the thing. Somebody had, like, a heat stroke fainted, and then they tried driving an ambulance through that crowd. That ambulance, I mean, that person, I hope they were fine, because if that person were on the verge of death, they would die. That ambulance could not reach them fast enough. That ambulance wasn't moving, because there was nowhere for the ambulance to go. Like, what? I'm going to tell on myself a little bit to show you how financially responsible I was. Um, They were Club Renaissance tickets. I'm sure you guys have all seen what the Beyonce Stadium looks like. It's her stage is built like um it's a circle that's the stage and there's like a straight runway that pierces that circle and inside that circle where the stage is so the stage is around you that's club renaissance you're in the circle and she's going to perform all the way around you on that circle oh. stage so you're in the pit of the stage so we go down there oh, to wow. go get in yeah i know look if you are a beyonce <laughs> groupie you got to do what you got to do so we get down there we're about to get in and the this another security guard stops me and they're like where's your wristband i'm like are you fucking blind <laughs> Like, I already went through this once to go. Like, there, there's two of them. They're on my hand. Do you see them? And he goes, actually, you need a third one. <laughs> At this point, I'm about to blow a fucking gasket. I'm this close to blowing a gasket. And I was like, okay. He goes, that one should be a black one, and it should say Club Renaissance. But I'm like, the yellow one says Renaissance Club on it. So what's the issue? He goes, no, this is not our, we don't make these rules. These are the policies of the event. We got to have to. So I said, okay, what do you want me to do now? Because you got to go back outside. I said, but I have my ticket with me. How about you just check the ticket and let me in? He was like, no, you still have to have the wristband. So at this point, I'm like, I don't even want to argue this motherfucker. Let's just figure this out. So he says I have to go back outside to go get that. So I'm like, okay, fine. So of course we head out to go try to get it. However, they have locked the stadium because we're still sheltering in place. And there are hundreds, if not almost a thousand other people who have the same issue. Not from Club Renaissance, from different parts. So they're trying to get out to also do this thing. But they will lock the gates because we're sheltering in place. So I'm standing there like, I can't go into Club Renaissance and I can't leave to go get the wristband. So, so I just went back down there and I was like, I'm about to start screaming. I said, look, sir, I understand what you're saying. I understand that's the policy, but I physically can't go out there. 
Like, it's locked. He goes, no, it should be open now. I was like, you're not hearing me. I just came from up there. It's still locked. There's no way. I said, you know what I propose? Not me trying to do your fucking job. How about you call somebody from outside? The person who has the wristbands. Call one of them to bring the wristbands in here. That way, me and the other hundreds of people who have this issue don't have to go outside. It's easier to have one person come in than hundreds of us trying to go out to meet that one person. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Eventually, that's what it ended up doing, but not without giving me grief first. Like, and I was like, you know what? I'm not moving from this spot. Literally, because you can't even eject me from the stadium because the doors are locked. (laughs) So what's going to end up happening is by the time the show starts and I'm just standing here being a fucking nuisance, Beyonce is going to see me and she's going to ask you why I'm not seated. So you know what? We can play this very stupid game. I'm ready. And I just turned to (laughs) my friend and I was like, look, I already saw this show, my love. I can go home and we can get a refund right now. Like, I'm not putting myself through this much trouble, especially for an expensive ticket and then have to put up with this. Have I lost my mind? Anyway, it was raining. It was pouring. Beyonce finally graced our presence with her entrance at past 10 p.m. But she was really gracious about it. I'm sure she must have realized that it was a shit show, too. Because she was like, thank you all for staying and dugging this out with me. I appreciate you. Of course, she's really gracious. She's humble. So she gets on stage and it was a fantastic show. Because I literally said, I was like, there's no way Beyonce is going to risk slipping on a wet stage. And it wasn't like one of those like light mist rains. No, it was pouring. She came out and did her first number and she was soaking wet. Oh, wow. Soaking wet. We're all wet, too. We're all out here. But, like, it was such a good time. But she, she, I thought she was going to make it all the way through the end of the stage because, you know, safety and stuff. She came out. She did the whole thing. She gave us a really good show. She, it was lit. It was fucking lit. That, when I tell you I'm down bad, I might go see the show a third time because (laughs) that show is excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. But that has been the highlight of my life. Everything has been downhill. No other thing has worked right. <laughs> Everything is just a fucking mess. I, I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to look. But I'm still here. And um, anyway, I haven't done anything else. I haven't consumed any content. So in other words, how have you been since the last episode? I've been bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm really, really bad. You know, I'm bad. Who's bad? Oh, me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah. Bad for a variety of reasons, but... The worst being that uh, the Panda Express got me Damn. for the first time since April 2020. I got COVID. I am very glad that I didn't give it to you. I saw you on the yeah. night earlier in the on the same night where I started having symptoms and tested positive. I was very social in the couple of days before I came down with symptoms, and I I was like convinced I gave it to someone, but nope, nope, just me, just lucky, lucky old me. <laughs> Shout out to that vaccine. I mean, like, I know, I know intellectually it's no joke, but I went, this was a saga. So, like, I went to see the Barbie movie again for the second time with some of our friends. I saw you beforehand and I was feeling fine. Fine. I was, like, feeling like I was maybe a little hungover from the night before, but otherwise I was like, I feel fine. Get into the movie, feel fine. Maybe two thirds of the way through the movie, I'm like, oh man, I might be coming down with something. Like, I feel a little iffy. By the time I drive home, I'm, like, full, like, fever. I'm wearing, like, three coats. I'm shivering. Fuck me. Damn. Oh, no. Please let it be a cold or the flu. And I test and it's fucking COVID. <sighs> so I have to do Damn. the thing and text all the people. Hey, everybody, I have I have COVID. Um, anyway, I was very, very sick. And I was like, but wait, like, Paxlovid is a thing now. Like, I bet it's not hard to get. Let me just virtual appointment. And sure enough, very easy to get Paxlovid. And I'm like, great, this will treat my symptoms. I'm going to be feeling better. Uh, I start taking the Paxlovid. And the day after I start taking it, I, like, sleep the whole day, which was, like, not, like, in theory, not surprising because of the fatigue. But it was in a, like, I physically can't stay awake thing. Oh, wow. And uh, thank you, Steve Jobs. My Apple Watch keeps giving me notifications uh, that my heart rate is really low. So, like, all day I, like, couldn't stay awake and I was getting these, like, heart rate notifications from my watch. And I'm like, you know, maybe I should check with a doctor before I, like, go to sleep for the night. And so I talked to a doctor and she's like... Well, you should not go to sleep. Oh. You are having a reaction to the Paxlovid. It's lowering your heart rate. There's really nothing. She was like, you don't need to go to the ER unless you want to, because all they're going to do is what I'm about to tell you to do. She was like, you need to stay awake, do whatever you need to do to keep your heart rate above 40 beats per minute, and uh, wait for it to get out of your system, and have somebody check on you every hour to make sure that you have not lost consciousness. Damn. In the arms (laughs) of the angel. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly. I was like... Like it, this can't be happening. So like I'm sick with COVID. I, it was like the most surreal like 48 hours of my life because if I stayed stationary longer than like 10 or 15 minutes, my heart rate would go lower than 40 beats per minute, which is like a dangerously low. 
So I spent an entire night and most of a second night not able to sleep at all. And every, like, you better 10 or 15 minutes. Yep. Get up in vogue every 15 minutes. Literally through the night <laughs> with, with John texting me every hour being like, hi, are you alive? Hi, are you alive? <laughs> From the other room because we're isolating because of COVID. I was so tired and so sick that I didn't want to keep getting out of the bed. So I like brought my little like hand weights into the bed and I'm like, like doing my little like shake weight exercises, <laughs> lifting the weights above Damn. my head. So I don't have to get out of the bed to raise my heart rate. It was not the move. Oh my God. Well, here, I had to go into the doctor like twice and they made a whole ruckus because like, well, one doctor made a whole ruckus because I had COVID. The other was like, meh, um, but I had to get an EKG. But the second doctor I went to, they were like, wanted to confirm my COVID diagnosis. So they were doing a test. Um, and so they're like swabbing me. They're like, oh yeah, do you want us to test you for strep throat? And it was so out of left field. And I couldn't think of a reason to say no that I was like, sure. yeah, sure. Like if you want to. And they come back and they're like, yep. Uh, your COVID test was positive and your strep test is positive. I was like, my life is such a joke. What the fuck? Strep? Like what? Fuck you and you in particular. <laughs> Why strep throat? I was like, I didn't even care that much because like, I just figured the sore throat was a COVID symptom. I was like, of course, like one more thing. Like why strep throat? It was just so random. I was texting people about the strep throat and they were like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the funniest part of all of it. Like <laughs> this is this is the fun one. This part, this part is just a little treat. <laughs> <laughs> a little tree. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent like two to three days like waiting, just fucking around and waiting for the Paxlovid to get out of my system so I could finally sleep. And I knew, I knew when it was finally out of my system because I didn't realize how much it had been helping my COVID symptoms. Oh no. As soon as the Paxlovid is out of my system, the COVID came back with a vengeance. Like, oh, I was so sick. The fever came back. Like that everything came back. Oh... Uh... So yeah, the, I, I spent 10 full days in bed, like... With your shake weight. With my shake weight. <laughs> <laughs> not the universe trying you. Truly. And it's not like things were going great, and then I got this, like, things were rough before, things have been rough after, and the universe was like, you know what? Another one. That is truly, truly, I'm so sorry. I mean, of course, I'm out here making jokes, because what else am I supposed to do? But legit, that is some bullshit. That is some actual categorical mm -hmm. bullshit. I'm just glad that, like, I am feeling better now. I'm not having any lingering symptoms because, like, COVID itself is some shit, but long COVID? That's my, like, that's my biggest fear with getting it now is not, like, you know. I spent a miserable 10 days in bed and the, like, not being able to sleep thing was freaky. But, like, I've seen people with long COVID now and that is not the move. But, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Steve Jobs, for letting me know about my low heart rate. Otherwise, I would have just uh, thought I was really sleepy. I mean, this is what we're saying. We're still, we're gonna continue to be here until we're not here. Yep. How dare the universe and COVID try to inconvenience you? Out here trying to live my regular shitty life, make it shittier. Yeah. But I'm back to my regular shitty life now. Yay! I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's shit, but it's also great. And through it all, I consumed content. That part I've is seen, impressive. I have seen two movies, new releases at that. So I watched uh, Talk to Me which is a new horror movie that's out in theaters right now. And it's got a, it's, it's a great premise because it's like, they don't even really make it like a capital T thing in the movie. It's like the hand is like clearly haunted and you can basically like use it to let spirits into your body. But like the premise of the movie is that somehow some teenagers have gotten a hold of it and are just like fucking around with it. Like it's not even like it goes wrong the first time. Like the hand is just like a party, like they bring it to parties and like, take videos of each other, like, getting possessed by spirits. Like, That's lovely. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what teenagers would do if they found something that was legitimately haunted. But, yes, inevitably, because it's a movie, it goes wrong. You know, it's, there's some twists, some turns. Uh, it's sort of an indie movie. I think it was, I think it premiered at Sundance, but then A24 picked it up, so always promising, and it delivered. I also saw Oppenheimer. You have time, didn't you? I sat my ass through three hours of Oppenheimer. And let me tell you, no. <laughs> yep. I expected that. I truly honestly expected that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've Okay, I'll start with the good things because there's a lot fewer of them. The cinematography was really cool. The sound design was really cool. If I had to see this movie, and I wish I hadn't, but if I had to see it, I'm glad I saw it in theaters. From there, there might have been a good movie somewhere in there. But it was so long. It was so directionless. The script was weird. It was one of those, it's like, this is not how humans talk. There was like all of these like plots and subplots and subplots that they would like spend a long time on and then just abandon. It was like a whole, like the whole climax of the movie was weirdly like 
barely even related to Oppenheimer. Cillian Murphy, bless his heart, I know he can act. This was not his finest hour. <laughs> it was it was weirdly cast. It was There were like a million characters. It was hard to follow. John and I were spending the whole time being like, wait, who is that? They're saying this name as if we should know who this person is? It was not. It was just like, we came out of the theater and we were like, that was okay. And then the more we talked about it with each other, we were like, that was no, really wasn't. pretty. Yeah. That was a bad movie. <laughs> they like couldn't couldn't figure out like, is it about like, is it about the bomb? Is it a is it a biopic about Oppenheimer? Is it about like they spent a long time on like nuclear policy? They're like Also, what was um that girl, the girl with the tits? What what was her whole point? <laughs> Sorry. What I'm not being sexist tits? when I say that, but like like there was like a 30-minute sequence where her tits were out. Like <laughs> What was her name? You know, I don't even remember. No, I I can picture her. She was a char- she was one of many many characters in this movie. If someone had picked one of the directions they tried to go in and actually edited it down and then gave Cillian Murphy a half-decent script, like, because it, it was so, like, there'd be, like, it would be a whole mess, and then all of a sudden there would be a scene that was truly good, like a really, really good scene, and then it would go back to being a mess. So, like, somewhere in there, someone could have made a good movie. But... What's his face? Not Christopher Nolan. It is Christopher Nolan. Wait. Oh, yes. That man needs to edit. Chris Nolan himself. Yes. He needs to edit. There's no reason that this should have been three hours. It's unnecessary. No. Yeah. I hate when... Like, that's that's the worst thing you can do to, like, a good a good director is be like, you no longer need an editor. They absolutely still need an editor. Like, more than ever. <laughs> more than I, ever, they need an editor. Maybe he doesn't go back to watch the movies after he does it. But, like, if he went back and watched the second Avatar, even oh, he God. would be like, I should have edited this. Yeah, I, I played myself. I knew, like, I John convinced me of the same thing with Avatar. I was like, this movie is too long and it's not going to be good. And he's like, but if we're going to see it, we should see it in theaters because of, you know, the cinematography, the sound design. Da, 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 da. I was like, okay, fine. And I did it again. I did it again with Oppenheimer. And I spent three plus hours of my life in this theater for a movie that could have been an hour and a half and a lot yeah. better off for it. I'm not a glutton for punishment. <laughs> There's no reason for me to sit there for three hours. I got shit to do. I'm so sorry. And No, especially if I'm going to go see it by myself. Yeah, no. Because I will be yeah. upset about it. I won't even be able to complain to anybody next to me how bad it is. The person, though, who has really played themselves in this is John. Because John decided to go see the movie with me and had another friend who also wanted to see the movie. And he promised before seeing it that he would see it again with this other person. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So he has to go see it again. (laughs) Yeah. If you were looking to see a movie right now, I recommend Talk to Me or Barbie. And I do not recommend Oppenheimer. One out of three last time. Let's hope we do better than that this time. So are we going to do trivia? We are going to do trivia. Let's do it. I'm not even hopeful for three out of three. I just want to do better than one out of three. I know. That streak just like, we're on it, such a high. It's, I don't feel like we're ever going to be there again. Trivia question number one. Which Texas city was the home of the first blockbuster video store, which opened in 1985? Corpus Christi, San Antonio, Houston, Austin. I will take any of those. They're Dallas. Oh, let's throw Dallas in there, too. At least the question said, what city in Texas? It could have said, what city in the U.S., in which case it would have been. Yep. I didn't even know it was in Texas, so thankfully that was a nice hint. But I don't know. I don't know. Corpus Christi, I feel like I just threw that in there. I'm not sure if it'll be that one, because that one just seems like a throw waste. Like, is it even in Texas? I think it's in Texas. Yeah, it's in Texas. Austin. I'm proud of us for the number of cities in Texas we just named. Yes, actually. actually. Quite a good number. And I think we deserve to get a point. Just for the fact that we are able to name multiple cities in Texas. Did we say Houston? Cover all the bases. Which Texas city was the home of the first blockbuster video store, which opened in 1985? The answer is Dallas. Yay, we mentioned Dallas, Texas. One out of three already. And anyone who argues otherwise can get fucked. (laughs) 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 Trivia question number two. During which year was cocaine finally removed as an ingredient in Coca-Cola? I'm going to guess before 19... 60. I think it's even earlier than that. Like, I think it's, yeah, I think it was like early, early 1900s. Because I'm like, I think cocaine was gone out of Coke before um, the rationing for the war. Was it after uh, the roaring 20s? Did they, is that why they were so roaring? Because there was still cocaine in Coca-Cola? <laughs> they did not need an excuse to roar. <laughs> Just like we don't need an excuse to scream. Look at the economy. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is, that was the roaring 20s. This is the screaming 20s. Okay, first of all, remember, like, before the 20s started, these current 20s that we live in, we we were making the jokes that it's about to be the screaming 20s. 
and we foreshadowed this shit because we haven't stopped screaming i don't know the answer yes. though i'm going to guess 1921 but any time before 1940 i will take i'm gonna say any time between like 1900 and 1940 i don't care let's see trivia question number two cocaine was finally removed as an ingredient in coca-cola in the year 1929 you know what? How about we take the point anyway? Because why not? It's in between our two answers, which were pretty close to each other. Brave yet controversial opinion. I believe they should put that back. Yeah, they need to put that shit back. That would be lovely. So Coca-Cola, if you're listening to me, this is your time to shine. Hmm. Because you know what I'm worried about? Is if they put the cocaine back in Coke, you know the bullshit where people make Jaeger bombs and they put like um Red Bull? Uh-huh. Like Coke is an upper. Alcohol is a downer. People are going to mix that mm-hmm. shit if they put Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dumb people are going to die. Which, yeah, Darwin's like, it's fine. They can go. If they choose it's that for themselves, I will not stop them. But yeah, I'm worried that that would be like a, a something to look out for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we've just evolved into just four loco. Like, that's just new. <laughs> like, it's, what do you want? <laughs> Humans never change. <laughs> Trivia question number three. From 1964 to 1980, what country was known as Rhodesia? So it's asking like, what, what, what modern day Rhodesia is what country? I wouldn't know. I'm sorry to that man. I would not know a thing. Because I'm trying to think. A lot of the West African countries got their independence before 1980. And their names were already set at the independence point. And it's such a short time too. 64 to 80. Like it's such a short time period. 1964 to 1980. So they had a name Rhodesia for only those years. And then they popped off. So there was something before 64. And there was something else after 80. It would be Asia. Because I hear Asia in Asia. So... If it's in the continent of Asia, I will take that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be in Australia. I feel like it's likely going to be in Europe, Asia. And you've said Africa, so I really don't want to sound like an idiot, but I don't know. Oh, if, if any, I'm sure I'm going to be the one to sound like the idiot. I, no, I truly it, don't it know. Fully, 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 fully could be that. Well, I don't know. What do you say? I don't know. Like, I feel like I should throw out some names of countries at least, but I, like, have truly no concept. All right. Trivia question number three. From 1964 to 1980, what country was known as Rhodesia? The answer is Zimbabwe. We were right. We were right. It was in Africa. It was in Africa. <laughs> Who the fuck? So what was... What, okay, so now, now I gotta know. What was, what was it called before 1964? Yeah. Rhodesia, well, then Southern Rhodesia, apparently got its independence from britain in the 1920s but then it says the rapid decolonization of africa in the late 1950s and early 1960s alarmed a significant proportion of southern rhodesia's white population in an effort to delay the transition to black majority rule the predominantly white south rhodesian government issued its own declaration of independence in 1965 it seems like a stretch even for us but we deserve this so yeah we, we know we clearly we, we deserve this we're taking three out of three we this week this. see we can start we a new streak i love it for us three. yes it is the beginning of a new streak, and we love, I it. love it. And next week, I don't want to be spoiler alert, but like, we're going to get three out of three next week, too. Yes. Stay tuned. We will. So, now that we have established through the trivia questions how little we know about this topic, the topic we'll be discussing today is history. So before we go into the fact that we don't know history, why is it important to learn about history? <laughs> I would say it's not, because <laughs> clearly, as we've shown, we didn't. And you know what's going to repeat itself? History. I don't know. I I think the kids need to know things. Also, you know what's really sad? Is as human beings, our lifespan is way, way, way too short. Especially for people who are in who are us being the species that controls almost exclusively and entirely the planet, we don't live long enough. It's crazy to think that we are the ones who are spearheading this bullshit because we don't live long enough to know better. We keep fucking up yeah. because we just don't live long enough to know better. And the transfer of knowledge, thanks to the internet, has gotten better. But, like, the transfer of knowledge used to be just shit. Mm-hmm. Literally, the pyramids that we built, does anybody remember how we built them? No. So, yeah, that's because if somebody who built the pyramid were still alive today, chances are they would still have an idea of how it happened. So we could build it again if we had to. But, no, because we live such short lives, that shit passes. So, anyway, it is important to learn by history because otherwise you lose very important knowledge that helps our civilization but also prevents us from being such fucking assholes. But you know what? That doesn't happen, so... Yeah, like, I want to I wanna repeat, and I sort of believe the lines about, like, oh, like, you have to know about it to keep from making the same mistakes. But, like, I feel like, if anything, the things I've learned about history is, like, the course of history is so changed by, like, a very small number of people and or really random, unpredicted events. Like, <laughs> right. 
they're like, oh, like, we have, you know, make a better future. No, learning about history has just made me be like, we have no control, like... There's no guarantee that even if we lived long enough, the human greed and selfishness would be like, yeah, we saw that happen, but obviously somebody benefited from all the terrible things that have happened in the world. And if that person stays in power and nobody ever dies off, things would stay the same and there would be no room for somebody to discover anything new or make anything different. We just get stuck. But I know it is important to just know stuff though. I feel like a lot of things require context and knowing your history gives you the context in which to understand and make better decisions. So that's a better way to put it. I think that's true. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like there's a lot of things that are just, when you're sitting there going like, why are things the way they are? I couldn't repeat it to you, but like, Someone sent me an interesting article one time that was like, why is health insurance America, health insurance in America, why is it linked to our employers? And it's, you know, it sort of like talked through like some things that happened in World War II and just after that like led to that and like what was people's original intention with that and how has it now become such a shit system? Like, so it does, I think you're right that it gives a lot of context. I also think it's just a good study in like human behavior and what happens when humans are given power. And just giving us some warning signs of like, how can they abuse that power? And what does it look like when things are... Because like, obviously you look back on big historical events and you think about like the big thing, like like the Holocaust is like a huge thing, but it's like, but like we can look at history now and say like, what are the things that led up to that that allowed something that big to happen? We'll talk about some of the historical events in our lifetime later on, but like people get really like all like weird about you like compare something to like whoa well this isn't like you know nazi germany it's like well like kind of germany as a country like went underwent an evolution they didn't go from like completely normal everybody has rights to like killing people like overnight the reason we need to know about history is to be like oh recognizing some parallels here i say that as i'm doing that i'm not but but hopefully people in power are i don't think they are no but i always make this like analogy i if I had perfect health and no loss of cognitive function, I wouldn't mind living much longer, like as a vampire would. Mm-hmm. Because imagine having the wealth of knowledge of several centuries. You can probably, much more than somebody who doesn't have that knowledge base, solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. The same as like somebody who's 60 years old, assuming, now the caveat is you have to be willing to suspend what you know to give room to learn new things. But you could pretty much like, understand how things work better you have a better framework or context to really understand stuff and i think that's what we like as human beings by the time you try to maybe even figure it out it's time for you to go Mm -hmm. yeah so like and then we rush to pass on the knowledge to the next person the next person who maybe is still on their own journey they're going to learn at their own pace they're going to take certain things seriously at the time that it makes sense for them to take it seriously not at the time where you're ready to go and you need to pass on that information. So now neither of us studied history though. So no, maybe don't take this from us. Yeah. We're maybe not the most qualified people to answer this. I also uh, saw a a tweet that takes me out every time, which is like history makes a lot more sense when you remember that a lot of it was driven by 14 year olds who had wine for breakfast. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Those times were wild. Yes. (laughs) For like a lot of human history. Do you find history interesting? No, I I just, yeah, I don't, I just don't find it that interesting. If someone is able to tell a compelling story in a compelling format, I am interested in it. Like I have seen some historical movies and read some historical books that I enjoyed, but on the whole, no, I just don't. Yeah, shit happened. Like shit's happening right now. Like shit's always happening. It just doesn't seem that. Also, I think the way it's taught has a lot to do with our answer. Yeah. History is not taught very well. No, it's really not. It's really taught as like memorizing a timeline of things that happened. And They don't actually tell you why it was important, why things happened that specific way, what was interesting about it. Because yeah, if you just yeah. tell me, oh, this happened on this date, I'm like, okay, and? But also, I feel like some people should not learn history when I tell you something. <laughs> the evil people in the world will just see it as a roadmap on how to continue to perpetrate evil. Like, I, I honestly believe that. I feel like the people who should not be educated are the evil people. Pop culture is history. Let's say that. And I do think that pop culture is interesting because mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of marks the consciousness of an entire people. What did people wear? Why did they think it was cool to wear that? After 9-11, we're going to talk about 9 But after 9-11, like there were some songs that were pulled from rotation. Mm-hmm. 
So you can imagine like those songs might have had a different impact on pop culture had they not been taken out of circulation at that time. And the opposite is true. During the civil rights movement, a lot of the really fantastic music that we have from Nina Simone came out of Billie Holiday, people like that. All that music was based on that movement. They managed to remove all of the interesting parts. Like the history by itself is not always very interesting. But yeah, when you link it, when you either like view it through a lens, like pop culture or art at the time, or when you like use it to explain things that are still relevant in our lives, like then it's interesting. But just like the people who just learn it for its own sake, like disconnected from anything else, I don't, I don't get, I don't find that interesting at all. A lot of the history in the US is taught from like a political standpoint. And it's very clear that a lot of it is propaganda. History in the US uh-huh. is taught like propaganda. I said what I fucking said. Don't at me. I said it. Because when they talk about the Second World War, when they oh, talk okay. about like slavery, when they talk about it's it's obviously colored in a way that yes. makes the US seem a certain way and a certain group of people seem a certain way. So yeah, I know. The way history is taught here is it's just a little somehow. I don't know. But also I will say, yeah, there are countries that for lack of a better term, they don't put as much of an emphasis on teaching history. And I think those countries also have their own downfall. A lot of their systems will keep failing for very simple reasons of nobody actually remembers. Say, for instance, in the U.S., when they deregulated banks, however many decades ago, we saw what happened. They did it again recently. We're seeing what happened again. So imagine if, and that's U.S. in a place where we actually teach some of these things. A place that didn't teach that at all, they keep making the same mistake every 10, 20 years. Yeah, no, the way that history is taught here, it, it is. No, it, it's literally propaganda. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Like We talked on the capitalism episode about how they literally made communism a byword for evil. Like, they, like the way they talk about Native Americans. Like, the, the most interesting things about history have been learning history as an adult and learning how much is completely different or how much was left out of what we were taught as children. A shocking spin on, like, absolutely everything. It's cringy. It's, and not only is it cringy, it, like... It's problematic, especially at the point where it becomes history. You know what? I'm going to say something brave yet controversial. I think a lot of the reasons that America has yet to acknowledge and even atone for a lot of its evils is because nobody's taught the truth about the roles that America has played in its own evils. And I feel like if people were aware of what really was the driving cause for a lot of those evils, people would be like, oh shit, we need to acknowledge it in politics. But like, People are just like, well, slavery was 400 years ago. I was like, well, do you actually know all of it? Or this girl who was, I don't even know what she was doing. She was talking about how like um, slaves were comfortable and they didn't revolt. <laughs> I see how you have reasoned this. The propaganda got you by the throat. Because she probably was like, well, otherwise they would have done something about it. But I'm like, imagine, because she, she has no context as to how deep the oppression was. That even a, result, a revolt was almost damn near impossible. So she's probably like, yeah, they probably must have liked it. That's why nothing happened. If they came from somewhere that was more savage and we brought them to a more civilized society and they would just play their part. Bitch, no. Maybe travel some. The other reason is, okay, this is why travel is also important. If you live in a place where the propaganda does not teach you the right thing, travel around the world. Go see other sides of the story so you can have a bigger picture. Go figure this shit out yourself because the government under which you live is not going to give you the full picture. I tell you that right now. They won't. Mm -hmm. A really good museum can really, like, make that history mm-hmm. and that reality feel tangible to people. Like, I still haven't even gone through the whole thing because I was going through it so slowly. But, like, the African American History Museum here in D.C. is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's really emotionally affecting. Like, you know, I, as in, I was pretty informed before. Like, I was certainly not a level of this girl of, like, it just just connects it all in a way that, like, you can actually feel those feelings and understand, like, even a fraction of what, like the people who were experienced that were actually like experiencing as humans and not just as like abstract numbers like too bad because it's a very necessary topic that we're taught absolutely nothing about in schools but like native americans like the native american history museum i'm sorry smithsonian that's the worst of your museums i've been to (laughs) that place is i think they're all fluff and nothing organized nothing really interesting it's just like tchotchkes in my opinion it's really too bad because like that's part of history that I, I still don't know very much about. Like, people came to this continent and, like, completely wiped out all of the people who were living here before, almost entirely. And, I, and we know almost nothing about it. Like, like, the only thing we're taught about Native Americans 
in like American like younger education is like Thanksgiving and them like having dinner with the pilgrims. Like that's literally it. Because of how effective it's a genocide, how effective that genocide was, the people who would have been around to tell the whole thing, there are only a few of them that were left. So it's like it's that that history was never preserved well. Now I feel like the lineages will still keep true to the history the best they can, that kind of thing. But in terms of just speaking volume, yeah, there's there's a lot that's already lost. There's a lot that's lost. The legacy of slavery is still like very much alive in America and the legacy of the Native American genocide is like they'll put it in context of like someone you know from the like history of like slavery and like they were alive at the same time as like mm-hmm. someone who feels a lot more recent like it really was not that long ago we need to do better i think we need to do better we need to be very honest with ourselves as to like really what we're doing because yeah and america is always portrayed as like as the hero in like our relations with other countries in the world that's been another thing learning is like america is almost always the villain almost always yep and the thing is, you know what's funny about that? That PR is so strong that even people who live outside the United States, before I moved to the U.S., I was thinking America was the hero in all those stories, too. And then I got here and I was like, oh. Because yeah. like, I remember thinking when Saddam Hussein was murdered, I was like, that fucking dictator who didn't know anything is just oppressing his own people. Down with him. And then when I got here, I was like, that's not why they got rid of him. That had nothing to do with why they got rid of him. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you know a lot about a particular period of history or about history in general? No. No. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that we've lived through, we were there for, and we have, I wouldn't even say full understanding or context, but we know what it felt like to have lived through those times, just in general terms, what it felt like to us. But no, I, I don't know any particular period in history. I don't really, I'm not, some people like know their aficionados for the war. So they'll, do, well, the war, America has had several, but like the world war. <laughs> And they'll be like, go ham. They know a lot of that. They know Winston Churchill said on what day, at what time, and who said what in response. And I'm like, all right, that's nice. I don't know any of that shit. But yeah, no. Do you? No. No. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, there are people. It's like there's the joke that like once men move to the suburbs, become like suburban dads, they have to pick a favorite war to be obsessed with. (laughs) Yep. And I like, I'm like, oh God, but like, I'm definitely not one of those people who's like, oh, collect World War One memorabilia or like, like learn. No. Unless, like, I feel like history professors kind of have a due diligence and obligation to actually understand everything in context. But just a regular person who's an aficionado of that time, chances are they've picked a side. And chances are they've stuck to that side. And so whatever memorabilia or whatever information that they have is kind of skewed in the kind of, like, propaganda-colored lens. Like, for instance, the the trip that I took to London, this older gentleman was talking to him. He was like, he goes, oh, you have to go see Winston Churchill's chamber bunker where he gave all his televised things from and you know and i was like yo and it was like you know we won the war i was like chill first of all i'm not going to see that but second of all chill are you proud of that is it crispy this doesn't make you happy (laughs) is it crispy (laughs) i don't know that just struck me as Uh, such a very like it's evil it's evil to celebrate war like that i don't know i don't know i have an issue with that anyway yeah it's even like fucking oppenheimer that i just saw like There's so many interesting questions about morality with Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb. And this this fucking movie didn't explore, like, any of that. Oh, it didn't. Wow. Yeah, it didn't. It, like, I mean, like, there were a couple scenes that sort of addressed it, but really it it was like, that's, that's the most interesting thing. They spent, like, 30 minutes on Oppenheimer, like, 10 years after the war, like, not getting his security clearance renewed. Like, this movie was a mess. Okay, I'm not turning it back into the, like banter section about the movie but like yeah no war is like the fact that that's almost always the like periods of history people fixate on is like it's weird to me it's almost always down with the other guy why is that the perspective you know or there's like a heroic effort like shaving private ryan where it's like um this is what d-day look like from the perspective of this hero of the american people no that person is not a hero especially if that person was solely responsible for murdering hundreds if not hundreds of thousands of people on the other side not because they had any specific vendetta or anything but because their government asked them to that shit just is insane to me yeah no when we talk about like why it's important to learn history like i feel like the way history is taught is like we glorify these past wars and so like if you're a person who grows up and like thinks that everyone who like served their country in these wars was a hero and then all of a sudden another war is happening like it's just then you they can continue to get 
innocent citizens to just go and like give up their lives for some fucking political agenda like but um yeah no the u.s has a selective service system that requires you between the age of 18 to 26 if you're a male to register for the thing even though since the 1970s the u.s has not used a mandatory military draft it's usually been volunteer basis right but Mm -hmm. they still require every single person between the as soon as you turn 18 90 days after you turn 18 you must register for this thing you have to register. In fact, some states, because they know that it's a felony if you don't register for this thing, they automatically sign you up the moment you turn 18. Some states even have the school district do it for them because they want to make sure that everybody registers because if you don't, it's a felony. So imagine just, and if you don't do it, they can deny you social security when you retire. Yep. So by the way, if you listen to this and you're 18 year old or you just turned 18, please go ahead and register for the selective service, my dear. I know I know it's a lot, but please do it because they really can mess you up if you don't. It, it, just, it just is part of our life here in the United States. You just have to do this thing. Now, I don't know how that works with trans rights. So, because I was thinking about that. I was like, huh. if you transition before you're 18, because it's, it's based on gender. And because gender is a spectrum, like, I thought about it and I was like, I'm going to, like, I usually don't let thoughts go. I usually go figure it out. But that one, I was like, this is a lot. This is a lot. I don't need to know this right now. I'll learn it at some point. I need to let this one go. I'm busy. I'm tired. I don't, yeah, so I didn't really look that one in, in deep. But if you know, uh, let me know, please. Because that way I don't have to do all the learning myself. But I want to know how that works with trans rights and stuff like that. Talk about propaganda. Like, we never got to experience, like, Cold War era propaganda, which just seemed absolutely next level. Bat shit. Bat shit. That 1984 <laughs> book, like, that actually was. So my dad went to, he did some schooling in what was then known as Yugoslavia right and when we were kids like he would tell us how things were in the world and how things worked and i just remember thinking there is no way that there is this looming fear every day that the world was literally going to end it's like everybody had there were apparently two sides post-war that and this shit lasted not even like one or two years it was this like lingering wave of these countries hate each other and if anybody needs to do anything, everybody's afraid that the other person would do it first. So we had the arms race where country A had one nuclear weapon. Country two had to have three. Then the other country had to go back and go get more. And then they get seven and then 10 and then 20 and then 100 and then 50. And then they just had so many nuclear weapons that like everybody was on edge. And then like they're all, but it did push a lot of adva- advancements in military and stuff like that, whatever. But just the fear of everybody knowing that at any moment your entire life would be ended just by a nuclear weapon. And all the other things. So the government would like try very much to like hide things from their people to make sure that they acted a certain way. Like it was just a wild ass time. And it went on for decades. Decades. And finally they were like, you know what? Maybe we should just um, call a truce maybe. Because everybody realized how stressful and very annoying that time was. It's bullshit. <laughs> I'm happy it ended because what the fuck? And even after it ended, yeah. we were like, wait, but does that mean it's actually over? <laughs> Is, is that actually confirmed that it's over? Yeah, because it's like, what does over even exactly mean? Because like ground wars, it was like, you know, there were people in trenches. Now they are not there. <laughs> like, right, but right. But like the Cold War was just so bizarre. It was just this standoff that nobody could pinpoint exactly what we're standing off with or about. It's just we know that we didn't like you because of what happened at the aftermath of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to stand over here like holding guns to each other's forehead, hoping that nobody pulls the trigger first. Like, that was it for those many decades. It was a wild time. It was a fucking wild time. Okay, another thing that happened was uh, O.J. Simpson was acquitted of uh, murder charges. Criminal murder charges. The civil one he lost. Yep. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. When I tell you this case had the United States, in fact, some other parts of the world glued, because this was a scandal that was a scandal. For those of you who are too young to remember... O.J. Simpson was accused of murdering his then-wife. And apparently one of the evidence was a glove. For whatever reason, I don't remember the full story. And they were like, well, obviously, if he were wearing this glove to do the murder, the glove must have fit. So they brought out the glove and had him put the glove on. And his hand was too big for the glove. So that was the, that was the hurrah. He didn't do it. But in the civil lawsuit, he lost. So we don't know what that means. Moving on. Oh, my God. Dolly the sheep was cloned. That was a big deal in science. Yeah. We cloned an entire animal. <laughs> People wild. still don't understand. People think they put Dolly into like a phone booth, hit a button, and then two seconds later, two sheep walk out. Yes. That's not what cloning is, yeah. people. Just so you know. For the record, that is not what cloning is. But yeah, that was a really 
big milestone in like science. Yeah, that was really crazy. I remember seeing like, it's hard to put it like completely into context, but seeing like pictures of Dolly the sheep and being like, that's a clone because like all, the only context I had is like all these sci-fi movies of like clones being a thing. And I'm like, it's just like a regular ass sheep, but that's a clone. Like we made yeah. a whole cloned animal. Like, it's yeah. wild. It's, <laughs> it's like asexual reproduction, essentially. You take the genetic mm -hmm. material of one organism and you literally copy paste it and make it into an embryo and it grows up. And because it has the same exact genetic makeup, it looks the exact same. It's the same organism, of course, with different experiences and different. But like, yeah, no, genetically speaking, it's the exact same organism. Princess Diana's death happened during our lifetime. <sighs> okay, that one hurt. I don't know if in the US you guys were as much of a fan of Princess Diana as the rest of the world was. Like Mother Teresa had like a whole personality thing, whatever, whatever. But like, I'm trying to think of a celebrity today that's like reached close enough. Like, okay, Beyonce. You know how like almost nobody can say something bad about Beyonce? You want the best for Beyonce. You like her. She's just a very gracious person. She's not problematic. She's just such a nice... Princess Diana was that girl. She was so self-aware, so forward-thinking. She was years and years and decades. When the AIDS thing happened, she would literally go hug people who were dying because she was so empathetic. And she knew that, yeah, well, when even some people were like, oh, you know, you could catch it. She could, no, I cannot contract this thing from being kind to people. There's, I guess. But she, she, was, she was that girl. So anyway, when she died, and especially the circumstances under which she died, it's rumored that... The establishment might have had something to do with her death, but yeah, people liked her so much that when she died, it was like a mass mourning. Everybody was mourning her death. Rest in peace to Princess Diana. So like I learned about her afterwards. It was one of those historical events that like I was sort of too young and just not in a my like cultural micro environment. We had the Princess Diana commemorative beanie baby. Those were like as a kid, like that was my connection to princess diana was like we had this very special beanie baby that was related to her it's weird like historical events as a kid around the same time gianni versace died mm. he was murdered and it was kind of like the same thing it's like hmm. i feel like celebrity culture today is a step under what it was in the 90s hmm. there were some people who were just gods among men princess died being one only because she deserved it i feel like princess Di as a person deserved to be she's what humanity is aspiring to Gianni Versace is also one of those people that, like, he created a brand that had the entire world by the throat. Yeah. And, of course, the founder of that brand being murdered is like, oh, shit. Because every single person knows what Versace is. Mm -hmm. every, every single person, Everyone. like, everybody knows what that is. And he, this is, like, back when designer houses were not having brands that big. He was doing it big. In the public consciousness, big mass shooting in the U.S. was Columbine in 1999. But... Obviously, there have been so many since then. Sandy Hook, Pulse Nightclub. I don't know why I started naming, because then I could just sit here and name forever. But, like, yeah, starting in our lifetime, these became, like, a a really big part of the national, like, consciousness. And just, do you remember where you were, like, New Year's going into 2000? No, I think I was fully psychotic then. <laughs> oh, That's not no. even a joke. I know. I know it's not a joke. <laughs> I, was, I cannot tell you what was happening at that moment. What I can't wait for is when we're older and we seem like dinosaurs because we were born before 2000. Like when people look at our birth year and are like, oh my God, 19. <laughs> Even now when I see people's birth certificate, there are people who have full beards and are going to college and they were born after the year 2000. And of course, the one that America will never, ever forget. A day that will live in infamy. Actually, that wasn't about 9-11. It was about something else. You mean the phrase? Yeah, it was after, like, Japan did something in Pearl Harbor and, like, the president got up the next day and said, a day that will live in infamy. Yeah, 9-11 happened and we, oh my god, I remember where I was during 9-11. It's almost like I even feel like I felt that it happened and I wasn't even on the continent of the U.S. It was just this, the news traveled so fast and there were, like, these news footage about it and it almost felt like you were there. It was this pandemonium chaos like the twin towers fell because there was a crash and it was just wild nobody knew what was happening and like the footage of those towers coming down is so chilling yeah like the way they just crumbled and nobody knew what to do about it everybody was just watching it fall and back then we didn't have yeah. like cell phones to take videos so it was literally news crews just holding up a camera to the thing and like shit 
No, when I think of, like, a historical event that happened in my lifetime that, like, I remember exactly where I was and everything, like, it's it's 9-11. I was going to elementary school, and my elementary school was, like, directly against Fort Bragg, which is, like, the largest army base in the country. So, like, people, people had no idea what was going on. People were panicking. But, like, my dad lived a couple towns over because my parents were already divorced. But, like, he heard the news and was, like, he must have heard about the Pentagon, I guess. He was, like, I don't know if any, like, military bases might be a target. But he called my mom. I don't know how he heard about it so early. But he called her and was like, you need to pick the kids up from their school because it's near a military base. I was like in regular, just in class, like first grade, I think it was, and like playing with toys. And they like, my teacher was like, oh, your mom's here to pick you up and like left early. And I didn't know what was happening and just like got in the car with my mom. And she didn't really know what was happening. She was like, I mean, my mom is not the coolest under pressure, but she's like, our country is under attack. And I'm like, what does that mean? And, like, we got home and, like, had the TV news footage on. And my sister was too young to understand. We turned on the news footage of, like, the plane crashing into the towers. And she goes, cool! Because <laughs> she thought it was a movie. Oh, wow. It wasn't even an act of war. It was an act of terrorism that people took as our country under attack. Yeah. It was a wild time. That kind of gathered enough sympathy for America, for America to leverage that sympathy to do unspeakable things shortly after. Yes. Yeah. It was a wild time. A completely wild time. The like sense of nationalism that that ignited was just... Dangerous. Yes, extremely dangerous. The amount of hate crime that started popping up against a specific group of people. Yikes. I don't know if you've seen the memes. <laughs> the memes, because obviously there's been like, like Barbie and Oppenheimer came out the same weekend and like Barbenheimer, they're all the Barbenheimer memes. And apparently folks in Japan were like upset that like people were like making such light of like the atomic bombings but so they made these memes in response to be like look how offensive your barbenheimer memes are but the problem was they like completely misunderstood american humor because they made these memes that to americans are fucking hilarious because it's like the twin towers in like the barbie logo with the little starburst yeah that's funny that's very funny <laughs> and it's like it's like you're making a really fair point but also this is the kind of shit that americans love <laughs> Yeah. We're like, yes, put, put the Twin Towers and the Barbie logo. Of course, this is this is our country. We as a people have chosen the route of nothing is deep, no matter how sad or depressing it is. Jokes. Jokes. The internet yep. has just decided, especially the American internet, that we're joking. Everything is yep. jokes because like the sheer number, you cannot joke about this stuff. It just, there's humor and all. It's absurd. Yeah. Shout out to the Middle East. Y'all took a beating because of like some shit that, you know what? Shout out to the Middle East. Um, we sequenced the entire human genome. Hey, that was really cool. That was actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that was another one that was like, yeah. that felt like such a huge step. Like, uh, smartphones and most notably the iPhone came out and became ubiquitous. We're literally all carrying around little computers now, which considering we grew up with like, at least you know, like we had the home computer. Yeah. And now we've all got, got our own little computer. Phones are so it's different wild. now. MySpace, Facebook, social media. We lived, we lived in a time that didn't have social media. We did. It's foreign now to think. Yes. Yeah. How did people, like, I guess they just didn't, like, keep up with anyone from their past. Like, that's been an interesting thing about social media is, like, actually, like, keeping tabs with people. I feel like people even did it better then. Because... Really? Yep. Well, where I grew up. Where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Because there was no way for you to passively just stalk the person because you're friends on Facebook or whatever. If you cared about somebody, what we used to have back then is you used to have phone books or address books. Yeah. It was like your mom would have yeah. her, her purse and her pocketbook, like her checkbook, and attached to that checkbook would be her address book. And then if you wanted to call somebody, you would go, she would, like, they would have, they have handwritten numbers for everybody. And they would call and say, hi, may I speak to exit, whatever, whatever. And, you know, the person would pick up and then, because you had to actively interact with the person. You could yeah. just hit follow on Instagram and then, like, just see whatever their life was like. So, yeah, no, it was more active back then. People did it. I used to have an, an address book when I was growing up because when I was little, I didn't have a cell phone yet. I would have to save my numbers somewhere if I had to call someone. So I had an address book. Yeah, I had one too. But yeah, it was like my my like four elementary school friends who I could talk to on the phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I had one. Yeah. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Like that was devastating for people. And I like it was so, so impactful then. And it was I mean, it was a huge thing. But like it's this is another one like the mass shootings where with like climate change, the number of extreme weather events we're having now. Mm, yeah it's like when that one happened that was absolutely insane but now like nope, our world is falling apart but we remember when it really started falling apart <laughs> yes yes <laughs> katrina 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 ow katrina, um katrina. <laughs> i can't say it normally ever again uh, no i can't either <laughs> the 2008 financial crisis I knew people who were graduating college around that time and they were shook they were really shook and we were all just like 
Oh, what, what is going to happen? It was really bad. Yes, we elected our first black president in the U.S. Yes, we can. And yes, we did. Shout out to Barack Obama. He's still the coolest yeah. president, at least in our lifetime. But Actually, maybe ever. That man is cool. And that was a huge historical, like, that was really exciting when it happened that he actually did that. Like, You know what's sad is, I don't even know when we'll get another chance to see another black president. Yeah. It, yeah. it was such a Twilight Zone moment when he won. It was like, wait, he actually, he won. It was, mm-hmm. everybody was so hype. Everybody was mm-hmm. so fucking hype. I don't think I've seen that kind of moment happen in a country where everybody has this hype. The hype that you get at a Beyonce show that multiplied by a hundred and the whole country has it. The sad thing in retrospect is it felt like this is a definitive step forward in our country who has this long history of like oppressing black folks. And it was like, but now we're really taking a step forward. A black man has been our president. Like this is progress. And like knowing what happened, knowing what happened a few years later, that seems so naive. But at the moment it felt like real, real progress. The hope that he gave us or gave everybody in general he managed to somehow keep that up throughout his entire presidency. Like, you'd see him and be he like, did. you know what? He's, he's cooking. Let him cook. Like, you'd just be yeah. like, this man is doing something. And you felt like this was, this was a historical moment of him actually being there and doing this job. He was doing the job. Mm-hmm. And then the year after, um, Michael Jackson died. We're not going to discuss the allegations, but, like, I think as an artist, he reached... I'm going to go on the record and say the celebrity and artistic achievements that Michael Jackson made in his career in life, you would be hard-pressed to find anybody else who even came close. Yeah. And this is in a world where simultaneously Madonna, Whitney Houston, the Beatles, Queen, all of those people were alive in the same time Michael Jackson was alive, and they were doing their careers at the same time, and Michael Jackson bested every last one of them. That level is wild to me. I don't think there ever will be anybody who even comes close. As good as Beyonce yeah. is, I think Michael Jackson still has her by a stretch, and he's been dead for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sad when he died. Ah, the BP oil spill. Washing the birds in yes. the Don dish soap. That was lovely. Same-sex marriage was legalized. Okay, this one was also hype. Yeah, that was a big deal when that was legalized. Like, that was that was so exciting. But now the Supreme Court apparently can just roll back literally anything they want. So, like, yeah, looking looking back at, like, these historical things that in my, like, in our, like, childhood, young adulthood felt like this is a step forward and no one can take this back. Like, if we've learned anything the past few years, like, we can take it back. Progress can be taken back. It's like, it's going to be a trivia question in another 10 years. It's like, when was gay marriage legalized? And people would be like, 1940, ha 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 ha. And they won't realize like, no, it was actually just a few years ago. Like 11 years ago. Actually, yeah, it was 11 years ago. Private space travel happened for the first time. So SpaceX actually went into space. It was the first time it wasn't a government. I didn't care that it was a government or not a government. But the fact that it was private space travel with reusable rockets. Yeah. Previously, when we had rockets, rockets were single use. As soon as you burn the rocket, it would be like a, what, $15 million investment. You'd burn it one time and you could never use it again. So every time you had to send a rocket up, that's $15 million. Easy. But now, they're actually more than $15 million. What am I saying? Oh, it's probably a lot more than that. It was a lot more than that. Um, But now, you can have a rocket, shoot it up into the sky, land it safely, and reuse it. It's really cool that we've accomplished that. I think that's extremely cool. And space travel, by the way, with the current technology we have, is still difficult. And the fact that we've accomplished that is amazing. Shout out to SpaceX. Uh, We had 45 become president. And right on the heels of Obama leaving the office. And um, I remember waking up that morning and I felt like I was in mourning. What we thought was about to happen was that we were about to first elect our first woman president on the heels of our first black president. And we were so ready to like celebrate that historic occasion. Like we had a fridge full of champagne. We were like, we're going to toast being together for our electing our first female president and watching it happen, just sitting in front of the TV, like watching the results roll in. And instead of that happening, it being this like incredibly hateful person, like just watching him become the president of our country was just Wild. Yeah, I just remember like sitting on the couch just crying. Like it really did felt like mourning and it was yeah, it's exactly like you described. It was like used to be like I disagreed with people politically and it was like, yeah, I don't I don't agree with that, but like, you know, you can you can have your opinions and then it was like, no, like this person is this person is evil. Like yep. <laughs> actually like you were supporting someone who is literally literally evil. <laughs> like what is happening? It was so surreal. When he announced his running, I was like, okay, there's no way the people in the US are stupid enough to vote for this man. This is obviously a joke. This is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no way this is going to happen. This is like, it was almost like watching satire in real life. And you're like, ha, 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 ha. And then when they announced he won, I was like, wait a minute. This is not funny. It happened on John's birthday. Ooh. Poor John. Damn. <laughs> and he wasn't even at home. He was on work travel. And he was 
traveling with this guy, just like some like middle-aged white dude, and John was like a wreck. And this dude was like, eh, I don't know, I don't really pay attention to politics. Of course he doesn't, he's white. Uh, yeah, it, it's, if anything, though, like, I take nothing for granted politically, like, nothing. Like, someone yeah. could be the most unreasonable, heinous person in the entire world, and I will not, unless I, until the election is literally over, there is a possibility in my mind that literally any person could get elected. And like, I'm saying that as somebody who's lived in a country that has had the most, one of the most volatile governments in the world. <laughs> And, like, you just think, oh, this is going to happen in other countries. But the United States, there's no way. There's so many checks and balances. Like, this is not going to get far. And then you're just like, oh, that happens here? Oh, we're fucked. That's, like, that was the first time I was like, okay, I cannot put my faith in this country because they will make the wrong decision. (laughs) Yep. God, it was such a relief when uh when Biden got elected. It was like it almost it almost didn't even matter who it was when Trump lost re-election. We were in D.C. at that point, and, like, people were like shouting on the street like people were so excited like yelling off their balconies celebrating like popping champagne like but he's done so much lasting damage like Mm -hmm. the supreme court like like the amount of progress he managed to roll back in four years is staggering ah the me too movement that was a huge cultural moment of women finally like just on this huge scale opening up about sexual harassment and sexual assault just the way it forced the culture of abuse sexual abuse to change because it was so commonplace and quote-unquote normal behavior that movement Mm -hmm. i don't care what anybody says needed to happen oh yeah it needed to happen people needed to be held accountable i'm so happy that movement happened that was that'll always be an interesting one historically for me because i was in graduate school at the time and working with this graduate women's group and i was editor-in-chief of a magazine we published And we were, the magazine had started as just like a newsletter, but we were trying like more and more to lean into like things that were actually important to these women. Mm -hmm. And like something we were dealing with over and over again were people being sexually harassed by their like lab mates and professors because like graduate school is like the power dynamics at grad school are just, it's an environment that's ripe to take advantage of people. Um, But we had actually put together an entire issue of the magazine about sexual harassment and sexual assault in like science grad school programs and at UMass in particular, put together all these stories, had a literal published magazine. uh, And that was about a month before Me Too happened, like in full force. So I ended up really involved in that activism. Just, I mean, it's not pure coincidence, obviously, but like sort of by coincidence of that timing that we published that magazine right before it got like catapulted into the national consciousness and like we had all of this momentum and we actually managed to do a lot with it in terms of changing things at the university which was the, it, it had a huge impact me too like like this is one of the things that i, do, I hope doesn't revert back to where it was before fire festival <laughs> we don't have to talk about this but that documentary is everything <laughs> that white man who went sucking dick for cases of water <laughs> i just when i tell you and then they like had jar will be the scapegoat and all of this I was, yo. Oh, God. Okay, what else? Brexit. Just stupidity on a mass scale. <laughs> do they believe that this was the best choice they could have made? Because I really want to know. Like, do y'all still stand by that? Or is that one of the things where, like, you kind of just let the old people who really were xenophobic just drive a decision? Yeah. I don't know, man. I truly don't know if that was a good decision. But who knows? Maybe it was. We'll find out. But, like, I when that happened, I was like, Are y'all for real? Where y'all gonna go? Like, why would you make your own yep. trade agreements more difficult? Especially considering that imagine, yeah. that country or that nation has had one of the most problematic single-handed effects on the entire world. So you really want to single yourself out after all the shit you've done to the world? Why not just hide under the, under the EU umbrella and hope that washes yes. away some of your sins? Like, was that smart? Wildfires. The world is catching fire, literally. Even the Amazon rainforest, literally a rainforest, just casually catching fire. You're just like, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Even the sea, the ocean was catching fire at some point. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I, I was like, how that. is the ocean catching fire? Yeah, there's so many things on this list that felt like this was a terrible isolated thing that have then become like a thing just that happens. Like the hurricanes, the wildfires, the mass shootings. Like We've lived through some shit, but this panko bedroom is just, it's one. It's... It might be the the one. Yeah, I think it is. Like it shook the whole world. Actually, we're still shaking. We're still shaking. That changed everything. It's ch- it changed ev- absolutely everything. It changed the way we live. It changed the way we eat. It changed the way we hang out. It changed the way we work. It changed the way we plan. It changed the way something as stupid as shoot movies. It changed the way we shoot movies. It changed the way we educate ourselves. How school works. It changed 
everything. People were dropping dead. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. I mean, I was a little too young, but I remember like the fear after 9-11, but like it was experiencing fear on a day-to-day level for so many months and years that was just, it was a collective trauma of the world, the whole world. We had no idea. It, it could have killed like all of us. It absolutely could have. Like it was, it was like, we don't have control over this thing. Like it's just killing people and it could just get worse and worse. Like we have, we have no idea what to do. We had no knowledge. We had nothing to fight it. There was a moment that I genuinely thought this might be the end of the human race as we know it. Mm-hmm. Because yep. the way that virus was just moving crazy and the mutations that kept happening, I was like, so even if there was a subpopulation that for whatever reason had a mutation that made them resistant, how would that person be resistant to every fucking strain of this thing? Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just like, maybe this is it. Maybe we've done the best we can, and we just we just call it, we just wrap this thing up. <laughs> and you know what's crazy is it could have wiped out the entire human population and left the entire wealth intact. <laughs> it would literally be like Chernobyl, but like a yeah. virus. Your car yeah. would still be parked in your driveway. Your air conditioner would still be running. Like you just would be gone, and everything else would still be intact. Not nothing would have changed. It's not like a tsunami or like an earthquake that would shatter your house, break your car, like the entire wealth of the human civilization would be intact and we just wouldn't be here. It would be like a silent yeah. end to like a... Oh, fucking yeah. I'm Look, I hope that never happens because, yikes. Unlike the Bastille, the storming of the Capitol, the insurrection. Oh. That was a weird one because uh, I, was, I was living in D.C. at the time and like it was very weird to experience a historical event that I knew was happening like two miles away from me. But I was sitting, uh, we were working from home because of the Panama Canal, obviously. John and I were sitting like back to back at the office, just working, just on meetings. And he was following the news on his phone. And I was sort of ignoring it. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's another one of these like rallies. And he just kept like telling me more and more of what was happening. It was like, oh my God, like this is a real thing. And like, he's sending me pictures of like people like literally in the Capitol buildings. Like, I mean, the movement itself wasn't new, but the the murders of people like George Floyd and Trayvon Martin really ignited the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it was the first time that white people, in more than just a small handful, started acknowledging that maybe we have a problem. Yeah. Like, I remember white people getting upset, and I was like, why why are you just now upset? (laughs) I I literally, because, and the thing is, at the time, at the time I was in grad school, and entire departments were like, oh, we need to have a space to discuss this and really focus on how we can work on this. And I'm like, now you want to address this? Now? (laughs) And I just remember thinking to myself, so you didn't think any of the other ones were bad enough for you to have made it as much of an effort? Yeah. It's like, you guys know this has been going on. I was like... Like, it's been going on, I'm glad you're here now, but like, yo, (laughs) we are, we are, we need to get this shit going because like... And since then, shit has still happened, by the way. But that one really had everybody shook. It literally, I remember just people saying, oh, it's not just okay for us to not be racist, but we have to be anti-racist. I was like, bitch, you know who's been saying that for the last 50-something years? Black people! (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I remember being so jaded about it too when the thing happened. And and I was like, I don't think this is going to change anything. This is going to cause an uproar for a bit, but we're going to go back to the same bullshit because we've seen this shit happen. Like, I'm glad that everybody's on the same page now, but like this happens so often that I'm like, can you imagine like the way white people felt after George Floyd's death? If that happened like three or four more times, even the white people would get desensitized to it. So that concludes our episode on history. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. Next time, we'll be talking about To Be Determined. Until then, good luck.